Noble Dairy Queen's new summer blizzard menu is back and it is stacked. Dive right into the summer celebration with their new peanut butter cookie dough party blizzard. You can sink your red spoon into their world famous DQ soft serve filled with delicious chunks of chocolate chip cookie dough, swirls of creamy peanut butter topping and peanut brittle crunch with sprinkles. If the peanut buttery flavor isn't your jam, their fresh take on cobbler a la mode certainly will. Say hello to the Picnic Peach Cobbler Blizzard. You can also let your taste buds crumble with the ultimate cookie blizzard that features Oreo, Chips Ahoy, and Nutter Butter pieces. Dairy Queen knows everyone loves a good comeback, and fan-favorite blizzard flavors Frosted Animal Cookie, Brownie Batter, and Cotton Candy have made their triumphant return. Summer Blizzard flavors are now available at your Noble Dairy Queen stores with locations in Kankakee, Bourbonnet, Moments, and Mantino. Happy tastes good. Thankful for the way these stories hold on To the lifetime we won't get back Hello and welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and on today's episode, it's kind of cool. Now, this episode won't be coming out on International Women's Day, but we're recording it on International Women's Day. And our guest happens to be one of the many wonderful women making our community better in the county. So it just like, it just kind of worked out. It was not (laughs) planned, but I love that it just just all fell into place. It was like it was meant to be. Right. Wow. Thank you. So let's welcome uh, Communications Director uh, of uh, Kankakee County or at Kankakee County, Jasmine Humble. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow. How are you? Yeah, I got to have the applause and everything. <laughs> I love it. Um, I am just, I'm so honored and humbled, pun intended. Humble <laughs> is my last name. <laughs> you know what? I never knew my last name was a real word until I became an adult and people started How asking me. How old were you? Me, um, let's, yeah. let's go back a little bit, maybe about 12 <laughs> to 12. me. That was oh, an adult okay. in my mind, but well, I mean, everyone, <laughs> I feel like everyone kind of, uh, becomes an adult at their own age, whether it's super early or right. super late or somewhere in the middle. Right. right. People just started asking me, are you humble? And I had to really look it up back then. We didn't have Google. So, of course, I got a dictionary. dictionary. Yeah. And I was like, am I humble? I looked it up and I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to try my very best to be. <laughs> so <laughs> I I think I don't know. I mean, I, this is the first time you and I have met face to face. We've been right. Facebook friends for a little while. Right. We have some mutual friends. We do. I and, and the. The the things I've seen you post online, I don't see anything that's like 
you're full of yourself or anything like oh, that. It's thank more of you. like it's more like you're just embracing your you know yourself. That's such a strong yeah. word, Jake. And um, I've never met a Jacques. So a Jacques. <laughs> yeah, Jake. Jacques. <laughs> I love it. Some people may may know the whole Jacques thing. Some might might not. Mm-hmm. I know there's some that listen to this that probably know. But yeah, that's one of my many names. I love that. So, I, I get you. off subject, so but it sounds like it's something from the Titanic, and I can respect that. So what, what from the Titanic? Is there a certain character from the Titanic? I, I don't remember just, there. I don't remember there being a Jacques. Leonardo but, DiCaprio, no, but I feel yeah. like he could be. I feel like he could be a yeah. Jacques because really he got on the ship and he was anything he needed to I mean, be. I mean, he was Jack. Jack, which is close. It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jacques is is pretty much like the French version of Jack. So right. maybe that's maybe that's why that comes to your mind. I guess I didn't think about that until now, but that we'll makes embrace sense. it. So. Jasmine, I, th- I I think you've lived in Kankakee all your life. Yes, born and raised. So mm-hmm. yeah, what's what's the the story on on your your family? Um, you know, getting here to Kankakee. To Kankakee, wow. Okay, I would say, um, well, my mom is from Moment, so small town as well. Um, my mom is a retired teacher. She taught English, which is why I'm so proper. Okay. <laughs> she does not let me speak incorrectly. If I talk a little slang, I'll get a pat on my wrist. <laughs> Love you, mom. Shout out to you. <laughs> Mrs. Humble. Everyone knows Miss Humble. Um, but anyway, my mom is from Moments. Um, she grew up um, in a small house. My grandparents, uh, the oldest of four. I also have an uncle, my uncle Arbert. Um, he's famous now um he's a jazz musician really what does he play trumpet so he has an orchestra and he's always on the news and all in movies and commercials but it's funny because our story starts so starts so small um and then my dad is from the carbondale pulaski area so at some point yeah they met at a mutual place at some point. You're not sure. Where... I'm not really sure. <laughs> did, did she go to college in Carbondale? Maybe? No. You know, a friend introduced them okay. is what I was told. Um, a friend introduced them at church and the rest is history. So okay. I was born and raised in Kankakee. Born at Riverside. Um, and since then, just I loved growing up here. I always thought that Kankakee was, it, it just has so much potential despite the narrative that sometimes comes with Kankakee. There's, it's the people here for me, honestly. Um, it's just, it's really a really good feeling when you're walking down Skyler and you're talking to just some random person you just met, you know, a couple of minutes ago. But, yeah. I graduated from Kankakee High School, was involved in a lot, loved band. <laughs> what, did you play band. trumpet too? No, I played saxophone. Your... Okay. So shout out to my band friends. Um, also color guard, cheerleading. I did that in junior high. I think I couldn't do cheerleading and band in high school. That I was, was going to say that would be hard. <laughs> yeah, because like you'd be like, you'd have to be in pep band. Yes. And then be cheerleading like you couldn't right. be cheerleading and doing pep band at the same time and my parents would not let me quit band so band oh, it was i like i like <laughs> i mean i know that might have sucked at the time but i like your parents for yes. <laughs> for doing that because i'm partial to the music i love music our whole family is pretty musical so whenever we get together especially at my uncle arbert's house um i was gonna say with all your of uncle. his kids yes they all play instruments. We all play instruments. We all get together. It's a good time. Your uncle. So he's, is he from 
Kankakee or he's Moments? He's from Moments. So he's from mm-hmm. the area, too. He, he well, actually that's someone... did the, what was it, the Gladiola Fest a couple years ago um, okay. before the pandemic. He came back home and did that festival. And I mentioned my uncle because he's just, he's a really big inspiration to me besides my parents, my mom and my dad, of course. But my uncle is starting completely from the ground up, um, knowing the struggle that my grandparents had um, raising four children. You know, it's just, it's really inspiring to see. Talking about your grandparents then, uh, this is in moments, right? Yes. And what was the the struggle for them raising four kids? It was a struggle. Um, my grandpa is from Chicago, so um, he saw my grandmother coming home, and it's been history ever since. Um, my grandma was the sweetest lady, God rest her soul, but um, everyone knew her in town for her gumbo, so she would have a line <laughs> lined <laughs> up outside their house, and of course, my mom and, you know, her brothers and sisters are upset, like, you know, feed us. You're feeding the whole neighborhood. <laughs> but she used to sell her gumbo. She actually um, was in the newspaper at one point. Um, but my grandfather worked really hard. He was um, the he worked the steel mill. Okay. So he always wore his boots. So they knew when he was walking around the house, when he was coming home, um, very hard, kind of strict kind of guy laid back. But my grandmother just sweet as pie. Well, and about what time period was was this? This when they had were... to be in the 40s, 50s, because my okay. mom was born in the 50s. So. Definitely back then, um, it was a struggle. I heard a bunch of stories about, you know, a little bit of racism at that point and just how they, you know, kind of overcame that. And they were just so filled with love. Um, My grandpa, especially, he always made sure that um, everyone was provided for. My grandmother food was always on the table. And of course, things have changed now. Things are definitely different now. But, you know, just knowing, um, you know, being a minority family, in the town back then, you know, it, it was kind of hard for them. Um, Are there any specific stories that stick out in your mind? I do remember one story that my mom tells me when they were traveling. They would travel at night because in the daytime they would get pulled over a lot. And my grandma used to pack sandwiches and things because they were not they were not allowed to eat in the restaurants back then. So they would have to eat on the road. They would have to use the bathroom on the roads. And I just remember my grandpa just going through all of that. Um, you know, this is what you do if you were to get pulled over. You know, you didn't do anything wrong. But just know that, you know, we have to travel at night because it's safer. So, yeah, your grandmother, did did her family come? How did she come to to Moments? So she ended up moving to Moments when my grandfather got his job here. Um, some factory, I don't know the name, but they he was, again, a factory worker. He and always there were several worked, at that time. Several at that time. Yeah. And at one point, he was working on the railroad. I mean, my grandfather, he kept the job. He was a hard worker. Um, I wish I would have met him. He passed away, unfortunately, when my parents got married, so I never got to know him. But um, I've just heard so many stories about just the hard work he was. He believed in fairness. He believed treating everyone equally. And he just, he was a really cool guy. I, I also heard that he loved um, cars. So he had three cars and a horse. Wow. Three cars <laughs> so, and a horse. Random, I know. but <laughs> what, No camels? No camels. No donkeys? <laughs> no, uh, so, what, what else can you ride? Uh, yeah, an elephant. An ele- yeah, well, yeah, that's... Uh, 
Yeah, but my I, you grandmother... probably have to have a special license for that now, right? Don't you? I don't know. And my grandmother again, super sweet lady. Um, she worked in the cafeteria at the at the moment school, so um, I get a lot of messages from um, people who knew my grandmother and who see me on Facebook, and you know, they're like, "Oh, you have your grandmother's smile, or Aww. you're just you have your sweet personality." And I'm like, "That's my grandmother, my yeah. mom too." But my mom always says she, she my grandmother was just sweetest pie mm-hmm. sweetest pie so yeah. she moved a moments um with my grandfather got his job here okay mm-hmm. and then your when your mom and dad were married then did they move to kankakee yes okay. they moved to kankakee mm-hmm. my dad um he's retired as well my parents are both retired now but we, i grew up on the west side in gracefield um so Right in that cul-de-sac on Foley. I okay. used to ride around. <laughs> I used to ride my bike around several times. <laughs> that cul-de-sac was my favorite. And then I got a Barbie a Barbie Jeep and it was just over that summer. <laughs> what was your childhood like in in Kankakee for, for you? I had a really good childhood. I would say that um growing up on the west side. We rode our bikes a lot. Um, we were always in the neighborhood. I had neighborhood friends. We would go go over each other's houses. It was just safe to do back then. That would know? have been in the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah. Yep. I was, yep. I always say I was born in the 80s, but the 90s raised me. Right. Yep. <laughs> 90s baby. Uh-huh. But it was just really fun. I mean, we didn't have all the technology that we have today. And I'm so glad that we grew up before social media because as much as I love social media, I really love social media. I'm really glad that we had a childhood before that, you know, where I can ride my bike, throw it in the lawn and come back to it later, you know, and just carry on about my day. But we would just go around riding our bikes, you know, playing over each other's houses, um, going to all the basketball games and football games and, Going to Dairy Queen, my dad used to take me to Butterfly Garden um, over on the west side of Kankakee, Butterfly Garden with all the trees. I don't know what park that is, but it's over by Kennedy and Taft. We used to ride our bikes around there. That was magical for me. Um, My mom, definitely, she loves to read books, so she always took me to Barnes & Noble we would just sit there. I'd sip on my hot chocolate and <laughs> yeah. read as many books and look at all the pictures as I wanted. So I, I really thank uh, my parents for the childhood that I have. I'm, I grew up as an only child. I do have an older brother, but he's he's a lot older than me. He's okay. 12 years older than me. Oh, so wow. I didn't grow up with him in the household, if that makes sense. Yes. So, yeah, because at yeah. that point. Yeah, he's he's an adult. I was watching him go to prom and graduating. He was like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, see you later. <laughs> but I love my big brother, too. We are very close. But, yeah, so growing up, I had to, you know, immediately make friends because growing up as an only child, you know, there were no play dates set up back then. <laughs> so I'm very talkative. So it, it was pretty easy for me to to make friends. Children are naturally drawn to art and the creative process. For them, it can be a form of expression as they explore the materials, gain confidence, and feel a sense of competency as they create something based on their own ideas and efforts. That's why Little Me's studio in Bourbon A created the Big Kids Art Lab for ages 5 to 12. Little Me's studio crafted this safe space for your big kid to slow down, 
be in the moment, and be comfortable making messes while trying something new. Big Kids Art Lab meets every Thursday from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Little Me Studio across the street from Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbonnet. Studies indicate that art making has so many positive effects for the brain, body, mind, and heart. Enroll in one class at littlemestudio.com or sign up for the entire session and save. littlemestudio.com to sign up for Big Kids Art Lab. Make sure you follow Little Me Studio on Facebook and Instagram. So, and then you go to Kankakee High School, mm-hmm. graduate from there, and then... Shout out to Class of 07. There you go, Class of 07. <laughs> then that's when you, you actually went to school for, was it for broadcast or for communications? Mm-hmm. So broadcast journalism. Okay. And uh, I was, I was kind of tickled to death when I read that. I was like, oh, we get to talk about, you know, broadcasting a little bit. <laughs> I love my field. Yeah, I went to, um, after I graduated, I went to Illinois State. Um, I was really involved in the TV10 program, which is an all-student-run TV station. And everything is ran by students. So we had a live newscast every single day at 12 o'clock. And that really shaped me into the the career that I have today. It's been a long journey already. <laughs> but <laughs> were, were there any, uh, did you do anything in high school? Because I, I know like. No, I, I know, did not. I know I Kankakee I now, Kankakee High School now, they have some type of media program. They have program. a K's media program. And yeah. I was just telling one of my friends um, how awesome that is to have a K's media program in Kankakee. I wasn't exposed to my career to journalism until college. We didn't have that. But I really do thank my English teachers. Uh, Mrs. Cohagen was one of my favorite teachers. Um, they really just really put it in us immediately that writing is essential and I thank her for that because, you know, back then we were we didn't want to do the assignments, but it really prepared me. So I, I wish I know I think back on it now and you wouldn't think, oh, but you're you know, all you do is is talk on the, the radio or, you know, talk podcasting or, it's or whatever. But, but there's writing involved. Yes. And, and it, I'm like, gosh, why didn't I pay more attention? I'm constantly asking my my girlfriend who is also my assistant mm-hmm. and is also a librarian and an english oh wow you know she's got the, she the english the degrees mm-hmm. yeah so like i'm constantly asking her is did i word this sentence right <laughs> does that make sense now imagine like, writing something then rewriting it then rewriting it then rewriting it again and again and again that was my life oh, it's man. still my life i was but... gonna say but you gotta have somebody to help you proofread though right yeah my Maybe. mom if, if i need yeah. something proof um to proofread she would definitely do it but i'm mm-hmm. so used to writing i've been writing all my life i love to write um, but journalism is just really who I am. I love I love to write and I love talking to people. I love to find out what motivates people, what's their story. So I'm really fortunate to be back home doing that as well. Yeah, because so. you are doing that to uh, maybe not on the nightly news, but not anymore. A, <laughs> not, a, not anymore. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, it, in a sense, you are still kind of telling somebody's story or trying to get the word out about something that has a 
So my role now, exactly, my role now with the county as the communications director is primarily for the American Rescue Plan Act funding. And again, telling the story, you know, we just thought it would be good, you know, for the funding, instead of having all of these applications come in, why don't we start to tell the stories behind these applicants who are applying. So I don't know if you've seen the videos, um, but I've been really enjoying producing those and getting to know the people behind Kankakee County. Some of them have never told their story. And this is just the perfect timing and a really good opportunity, especially with your podcast, to get these stories out there. Yeah, It's so important to connect us all. And Mm -hmm. it may sound cliche, but, (laughs) you know, I just, I love hearing a good story. I love telling a good story. So. No, that's it's like a perfect fit then. So was it your your English teachers that kind of got that that broadcast journal journalist bug and you, you were know, or did you just kind of it was it was Target Target the, the store <laughs> the store it's so random did Jake. you did you start working there I or? was working at Target one okay. I love all of my English teachers I can't plug them all because I'd be here all night <laughs> but Target I worked at Target at uh, the one in Bradley Bourbon A. Um, I started there when I was, I think, 17, and then I ended up transferring to the Target when I went to school, when I attended Illinois State. So back and forth, I was transferring Targets. When I came from home from the summer, I was back at my home Target, then back at the other Target. But I loved working at Target. That would probably be one of my favorite jobs. I was a cashier. And you would think that I've known these people my entire life. When they would come through my line, I get the sweet grandmother who is giving me her life story with her grandbabies and showing me all the outfits she's buying. Or I'm getting a little boy who's never counted money before and his mom is so proud. He didn't know we had speed scores (laughs) counting out 100 pennies. Right, right. But yeah, he's like... It's just really nice. He's got his little jar of coins or piggy bank. And we had speed scores back then. I'm not sure okay. if they still do today, but yeah, we had know. we had to get in and out. Um, Target was fast, fun, and friendly. That was our model. So in the midst of having these speed scores, making sure that you are checked out in a timely manner, um, that's why you always see a Target member calling for backup because they have to get them out. I would talk to my customers and I would just really enjoy that. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably not as much part as my job as me making sure you have a friendly experience with me ringing up your stuff. But tell me your story. What brings you in here? <laughs> you could have started uh, some kind of blog or YouTube series I with loved that. that. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, so, yeah, what's your story? Welcome to the uh, Target aisle where I, we uh, learn or the Target checkout. Exactly. Where we uh, hear people's stories. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where you see me most of all today. I love Target. If I am not at home or at work or hanging out, I am at Target. That's a dangerous place. <laughs> it's a very dangerous place. And I try I try not to go there. I never cause... made a penny. My check went right back to the store. You're just like, oh, I guess I'll go to Target. <laughs> Spend my money there. But no, that's how my story kind of started. I love talking to people in Target. I kind of realized back then that, you know, I love talking to people. I could make a career out of this. I never wanted to be a news reporter. I will tell you that. Yeah. So, but I ended up being one. So, yeah. So, (laughs) so you get to ISU, you graduate with. With what degree? A degree in, in broadcast in, journalism. In, in, okay, in broadcast journalism. Mm-hmm. And then you're, are you, did you intern 
at a, a station and, yes. and maybe land a job there? Or did you just apply exactly. for a bunch of jobs? No, you are right. You are correct. So after I graduated um, from school from Illinois State, uh, shout out to all my fellow Redbirds, um, Mm -hmm. I went straight to my internship. So I interned in Rockford at the ABC and Fox channel. Um, It's really, I have to explain this to a lot of people, especially back then, we were in the same building, even though we were competing networks. ABC is very liberal. Fox is very conservative. So that's where I really learned how to write for different audiences because we would have the same story, but we needed to change it to match the audience. So I really enjoyed interning there that summer. And then I would say maybe three or four months later, they hired me as their um, 5 p.m. newscast producer. And I kind of worked my way up from there. Wow, that's incredible. I, I was always 2021. 20, <laughs> okay. I remember learn when I was going to um broadcast school and mm-hmm. learning about the smaller markets mm-hmm. like Rockford. Yes. And you would go there and you would find yeah, there, you're like working for there's like two different affiliates, you know, like yes. there's the a- in like, the same building. In the same building. And, and people you're, never realize that. Right. And you're working for both of them. Yes. It's just it's weird. It's to very think weird. That you're writing like today or this morning, you might be writing a story or producing a story for Fox mm-hmm. uh, for that, you know, area and then you're doing ABC in the afternoon. Exactly. And that's how it is in the smaller markets. There's 210 markets in the U.S. So a lot of us started off smaller and you work your way up. Um, You know, Chicago is market number three. So when people always ask, well, why didn't you never, why aren't you ever in Chicago? And I said, it takes years to get to Chicago. And, and um, you know, I I preferred not to wait that long. (laughs) I wanted wanted to do what I wanted to do now. I mean, I'm sure this was nailed into your head like it was me. I, I kept being told, you got to travel around. You got to travel you around. You have to move. I've moved at least three times um, okay. working in TV, working in television news, um, maybe twice. Maybe I'm exaggerating because it felt like three times. <laughs> but I moved from Rockford um, when I was a producer reporter there. I was there for about two years, and then I moved to Wausau, Wisconsin, and I was a producer reporter, morning news reporter there, um, and that was the coldest winter ever. I bet Wausau it was. Wausau was, it's about three hours north of Green Bay, so that was a CBS affiliate. And again, the audiences were just really different. So you learn how to work and talk to everybody and is figure a, everyone out. And would that be about the same size market as Rockford, or is that a little bigger? It was a little, a little higher. So that was a little bigger okay. as far as the numbers. I I can't. Don't quote me on this. I think it was in the one hundred, like one hundred ten or something okay. like that. Okay. Rockford was about. 123-ish. A lot of us were hired straight out of college, you know, so we're all moving around trying to figure it out. And, and, you know, a lot of my friends um, who are still in news, none of them are are not really liking it or enjoying it anymore because news never stops. So that's one thing that you have to really prioritize is do you want to work in news or do you want a family? (laughs) Which which one do you want? Unless you're, you know, older or more established and you've kind of already gotten married or had kids. But I knew back then after my fourth year working in news that this just wasn't the life that was going to be for me if I wanted to be um, settling down with a family. 
It was a lot of pressure. Um, I would say, um, especially depending on what network you worked for. So for Fox, you know, for instance, I was never allowed to have braids, you know, and that's part of my culture. (laughs) That is the dumbest thing. Yeah, but they just made a rule about that. I think that's a new law that passed down south that that, um, um, African-American women can now wear their natural hair. I think it was in the south where they passed that law. You have to have your hair either laying on your shoulders or pulled back in a bun. Mm-hmm. You have to they would not let you go on camera without lipstick. In fact, our news director when I was in school drilled that in us that um, mm-hmm. you know, lipstick just look nice, look professional, um, you know, the suits and then also really the pressure really comes down to it because it's really about how you look. Um, at the end of the day, you know, that's why you see these really cute reporters. <laughs> on that's Fox why they're all good looking. And, yeah. you know, and their producer is the one who is writing everything. They may not even know the story for that day. They come in and get their makeup done and, and they're attractive to look at, which right. there's nothing wrong uh, with that. No. But... And, and of course, that's at your your huge networks. So all yes. they have to do is walk in. But yes. even a lot of the. Uh, the people working in the Chicago market are having to do more and more on their own. Yes. And it was all on our own, especially in the smaller markets. That's why I know how to write, edit, produce, all of the film, above. all yeah. of the above. I'm a multimedia journalist because I had to be. I didn't have a photographer going with me to every story. That doesn't come until you get to the top 50. <laughs> yeah. Market. I was going to say, so, so when you were in, obviously, definitely when you're in Rockford, but when you went to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. And you were so you were out on the field, but you were also anchor as well, right? Producer. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were still a producer yep. in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were on camera. In I was. So oh, okay. I was the producer. It's kind of weird the way news works because no day is ever the same, right? One yeah. day you're a producer, the next day you're an editor. The next day it'll be both. But um, I was a producer in all of my roles because I, I really um, I wrote a lot. Like I said, they they enjoyed my writing style. So I was the morning producer when I moved to Wisconsin. I produced the 7 a.m. hour, which was the morning uh, CBS show. And then um, after that, I was um, a reporter. I did segments. So okay. I would do like lifestyle segments, class of the week entertainment. Here's your entertainment news. And then I have to be back in the booth after commercial <laughs> because I'm producing the same show that I'm reporting in. So it it is very um, around the clock. I always tell my friends if I could do a reality show just behind the scenes. So much happens behind the scenes. I mean, you're literally scrambling at one point just to make just to get your story on the air to where it finally comes. And then you're like, oh, that was it. I worked all day for 30 seconds of my, my story to make the tops news. Yeah, you're, um, <laughs> uh, what do they call it? A, uh, a news package? Yes, right? package I, or a Vosat. So a Vosat, Vosat is yes. um, video sound over tape, which a Vosat, it still exists, but now we don't use tape. So sound yeah. over tape is the older term, but yeah. a Vosat is just 20 seconds of video and then a 15 second um, reaction. So you and I talking right here and that's it'll be a lot of Vosats. And I realized that, you know, talking to people and, and that's where I realized that I needed to do more because I would still want the whole story. 30 <laughs> yeah. seconds a minute just wasn't enough for me. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. absolutely not. So I would still want the story. You know, I had a hard time cutting a lot of my 
stories down. And um, while it w- it made really good feature pieces and my stories still made the air, especially producing and all of that, I just realized that I was more passionate about community. Even back then, I wanted to know the community stories. I wanted to get out there. So it really drives my passion for community. It's a really small team, so you become like family. I I truly miss um, my coworkers. Again, we're all in different cities now because again, you move a lot, but yes. we still talk and we have our our Facebook slash social media reunions where we connect. But we unfortunately we haven't had a chance to connect in person in a while. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you go from Rockford to Wisconsin, and then where did you go from Wisconsin? In so w- in from TV. Wisconsin, I moved back home. So after um, I had a moment. <laughs> this was the moment that I knew that, okay, as much as I love the field of broadcasting, I really enjoyed what I, what I did. I love being a news reporter, love talking to people, producing all of that. But I realized the moment that it was a really unfortunate story. I remember like it was yesterday, um, a little boy was shot and I called the hospital just to check on him. In the hospital, they were like, well, you know, it was like, what's your name? I said, Jasmine Humble. They said, "Okay, well, are you family? Are you related to him? And I said, no, I'm just checking on him because I was writing a story on him. And even though, you know, I do have an update for the six o'clock, I was just checking to see if he was okay. This was like right before the newscast. My news director, (laughs) he said, why did you do that? And I said, because I'm human. (laughs) And he said, you know, it's just not protocol. And again, I'm young, I'm fresh in the field, but they said, well, if you're not family, you know, we just can't release that information to you, which I understood. But again, I'm thinking like, this is my little brother, my nephew. Yeah, you're not thinking as a news reporter. I was not thinking as a news reporter. And I think that's where I had to separate myself and realize because my news director, he said, well, unfortunately, you know, we have to move on to the next story. Did, Did he pass away? And I said, no, he's still alive. Next story. You know, and that kind of like put a dagger in my heart to say where it's like, okay, it's not important if unless he's in critical condition. And then I had to take a step back and realize this may not be, you know, the, the field, even though I have a highly respect for the reporters because they are out in the field every day making sure that we are informed, putting themselves in danger every single day just to make sure that we're informed. I love the media industry, but I knew back then that, okay, I'm a little maybe too bubbly and I have a big heart and maybe I need to be more community based because I was about to be in tears right before the show. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Much respect to the people who work in news today. I, I highly respect it because it's a field where it's it's really challenging. But I'm really glad that I did it. And I had my four years in news and because it really shaped who I am. It made me stronger for sure. So you so you finished up in in Wisconsin. You came home mm-hmm. to Kankakee. And where did you go from there? You're yes. like, OK, so I, what do I <laughs> So I I, I'm now. not doing news anymore, for <laughs> sure. News is out the window. Right. I, you know, so right. what was what was next? So next story, uh, funny story, actually, another one of my favorite jobs, Indian Oaks Academy in Mantino. OK, yeah. I worked there for about four, four and a half years. I didn't get a job right away, but they hired me on the spot. And I'm like, OK, God, if this is what you want me to do. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> but, a 360. What, what were you yes. doing at Indian a counselor. So okay. I was a youth counselor. I've always loved working with youth, especially uh, tr- 
troubled youth and at-risk youth. So it just fit. I didn't realize at the moment when um, my boss uh, at the time, Rachel Skinner, Lisa Watson, <laughs> when they hired me, um, you know, and they were like, are you are you ready for this? And I said, as ready as I'm going to be. And I met the kids, I think, the next day after I got hired. And, and I just I fell in love. I came in there like your summer camp counselor. <laughs> Okay. Ready to bake marshmallows and ready to color. <laughs> yeah, and and you got a. Uh, so, what was your your welcome? My welcome. Like? Oh my goodness! I as much as I love that job, it was difficult. I I'm really close to a lot of my coworkers there um, at Indian Oaks and Mantino, but it's a residential treatment facility, a sexual treatment facility. So these kids have been displaced from home from jail, from hospitals, from group homes. I mean, these kids have really tough lives and you really learn not just about yourself, but they teach you more than anything. You know, you're thinking you're there to help them. You are. Well, they actually helping you because you're, yeah, you're learning. Your patience yeah. is tested every single day. Your safety is at risk every single day. We're trained, you know, we were trained to, um, you know, kind of um, de-escalate the situation. It's called Therapeutic Crisis Intervention, TCI. Every three months or so, we would go through TCI and our our co-workers became our family. But working there, the kids just really touched me, touched my heart, because some of them have just experienced just awful things that you would have never thought you know, coming from a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old in, in their backgrounds. And then, you know, they're trusting you to get them through their everyday routine. And some of them, if they're not in that everyday routine, then they can spaz out because they're used to consistency and they need discipline and consistency. Like most of us do, we need a routine. But I really enjoyed working there. Um, I was there again for about four and a half years and then I, I got back in my field with the mayor's office. Okay, so that's where you got back into public relations, really communications, public relations. Mm-hmm. What's a story that that you still carry with you from from Indian Oaks? From Indian Oaks, oh. Oh, goodness, Jake, there's so many. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I just, you know, I I was born and raised in, in Mantino, Mantino and mm-hmm. on like not that far from Indian from Oaks. Indian Oaks? I didn't okay. live in the subdivision that is, you know, like literally right next to it. But right, right. I, and the golf course is right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't live in Diversitech, but I was like a mile away. Okay. You know, um, I lived, my family still does on the east side of of Mantino. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've always been curious to hear more about that place. And, mm-hmm. and well, one, about... I just want to say that it's not as bad as it seems, you know, that's kind of what I thought when people say Indian Oaks, they kind of like, oh, my gosh, you used to work there. And I'm like, these are kids at the end of the day. They are youth. And we were all there at one point in our lives. They just had a different experience than we have. But I would say um, the kids there, they really know how to have fun. They they are youth, you know. So we, as counselors, we had to figure out how to not keep them. They couldn't be bored because if they were bored, 
they would get into trouble. Yes. And that's when when you saw the the fights, the, the escalations and things like that. But as staff, you know, we banded together and we 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 um you know, we honestly knew how to de-escalate the situation. We would get on their level and really talk to them. A lot of them just really need um, and I don't want to sound like Perry, Mary Poppins here, <laughs> but a lot of them just need somebody to listen to them. I cannot tell you how many, especially the girls, working with the girls and sitting down with them. And they would say, Miss Jasmine, you're the first one that has actually listened to how my day went today. And that means a lot because I didn't think anyone cared. I had a girl tell me that she never looked anyone in the eye. She didn't know how to make eye contact with someone because she never felt good enough to look someone in the eye. So we had to work a lot on life skills. We had to work on not just life skills, but self-esteem, um, you know, and, and really having having to, um, you know, having a positive, healthy relationship. What does that look like? You know, because a lot of them struggle with having um, appropriate boundaries. So we used to have to say things like, OK, boundaries, give me a side hug, not a front facing hug, like little things like that, that we don't even think of. But I would say my favorite memory there is um, we had a barbecue and it was just the first time that I saw them in like a childhood like form, like how we grew up. You know, we we got water balloons, um, all the works, the food. Um, the kids were just happy to go to McDonald's. So when they're on their best behavior, they get to go off campus. Yes. So they get to go to movies, the mall, um, you know, out to eat. And I remember taking three youth to church and then we went to McDonald's and they were so happy to order an ice cream cone. But they didn't know how to order it because one of them, again, she didn't make eye contact with them. So I'm teaching her, look her in the eye, tell her what you want, you know, and pay your money. Here's your money. Another girl just loves ice cream. So she was just excited to get the cone. Another girl, you know, worried about the apple pies not being too hot. I don't know. <laughs> but it was just it was never a dull moment working there. And they really remind you. I mean, again, we're there to help them, but they remind you who you are. You know, yeah. they kind of, you know, we come in and we may not have had the best night before or the best day, but we have to be on our A game for them. It's kind of like having kids. So you always have to be on your A game, but they know, you know, and, and they would joke with you. I remember coming back from the mayor's office. I was working there part time. Still with the mayor's office on the weekends, I was at Indian Oaks part time. Oh I came back and I had two phones. One was my work phone, and one of the boys they're on the court playing basketball, and they're like, "Miss Jasmine, oh man, you got two phones now. You're doing it big now." <laughs> and I'm like, "This this phone," <laughs> but they pay attention. They pay attention yeah. to your habits and how you carry yourself, and it's just it was really rewarding to work there. And and I honestly miss it so much. You know, you become like a parent to them. Well, they might uh, they might someone from Indian Oaks might hear this. And they might give you a call. Be like, hey, <laughs> you, you know can come what? back anytime. You know, <laughs> they want me back, but they find us on Facebook. I would say uh, they will always find you. Um, <laughs> even the kids who you didn't even realize even knew your last name, they will somehow find you on Facebook and. 
press send, send a friend mm-hmm. request. But I always yeah. tell him, you know, I have to keep my personal life separate just yes. because of the boundaries, because I was once your counselor. But you can always message me. I always reply. And and they message me. Believe me. I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I would think I would hope some of them when they are messaging you, maybe it's, you know, it's so many years after the fact that they're out of Indian Oaks Academy, you know, they're older, maybe yes. they're on their own at this point. A lot of I them mean, are. Yeah. A lot of the kids that I had while I was there are not there anymore. Yeah. They, they've either moved on to the next um, facility or they're independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some, you know, go to college, which was a real success story. So, yeah, I know. And, and they've uh, since I've been a kid, they've really uh built onto that facility. There, you it know. seems like they're adding to it every day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know like in the last 10 years, they've built like apartments mm-hmm. that they could uh, they uh, have transition. A, yeah. Into. It was called the TLP. So they had a transitional living program and those were your older um, students and they go to school there too. They live there and go to school there. So you have your older kids who were 18 to 21 in the TLP program where they live there, but they also are responsible enough to have a job, you know, outside campus, but they had a phone and they would have to check in with us, you know, every hour or so. So, and I thought that was, I think it's, it's great to hear Mm -hmm. that that program exists. Yeah. It it definitely prepared them for the real world, but uh, there was still so many things that we had to share with them. Like, you know, just get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, obviously. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, every little bit helps. Right. Because they're teenagers, you know, you, you have to shape them the best way you can, but at the end of the day, they're going to make their own choices. Yeah. So then now we're getting to the, I guess, uh, the juicy stuff, right? (laughs) You know, you say the, (laughs) or the, the extra juicy stuff, the mayor's office, how did that come into play? And, and, and this would have been within the last 2019 is when I started. Mm -hmm. So the last three, three years, right? Mm -hmm. Almost four. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so so yeah, how did you start working for the mayor's office in in Kankakee in in 2019? Yes. So um, a lot of people think that I knew the mayor beforehand, and I actually did not. (laughs) So you did not know uh, know Wells Armstrong. Right. I didn't know her before I was hired. Um, I saw the opening, that she had an opening for marketing and communications coordinator, and I said, this is perfect. I was praying that I didn't realize how I was going to get back in my career at the time, because again, I'm still working at Indian Oaks. I have been out of news at least four years. Yeah, but but so you were kind of missing that. I was. Some type of public Mm -hmm. communication. The communications and the the people. Yeah. Yes, I was missing that. You know, I can still go into Target and talk to every single person in every single aisle, but it just wasn't enough for me at the time. (laughs) I really wanted to jump back in. I really didn't want to get back in news, but I knew that I wanted to work in community service because I love people. I love, again, just talking to people and and writing. So getting with the mayor's office, I had an interview with her. And I think it was 
was about a week later that they hired me. And I was just really excited because not not only was it my hometown of Kankakee, it was just it was a prayer that that was answered that, you know, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just want to tell the stories at home. So I was really blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. So you did not know chastity at all? I did before, not. Beforehand? No, I don't know how it got out there, but some people think we're related. And I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> and nope. It's just, it was a it was a thing where I saw it and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to apply. What do I have to lose? Because mm. I, you know, I, I told her, I said, well, what are you looking for this role? Or I asked her rather. Yeah. And she said, just someone to tell Kankakee's story. We've never had this role here. And she said, you know, no pressure, but I'm looking for someone to really tell the story of Kankakee with all of the things that are now starting to happen, the potential. You know, I was writing three to four press releases every single week, um, managing the the um, the website, the social media. I was doing so many different things, um, the outreach. You know, it was just never ending, kind of, but I loved it. it. It was just something that I feel like the community was missing, and I felt like she had a bigger vision for it. So I just, I thought it was a good fit at the time. Starting to work with Chastity. Mm-hmm. As the you were the communications direct director, was that the marketing official? and communications marketing coordinator. coordinator? It's a long title. OK, I wasn't <laughs> sure because I know, yeah, sometimes it's a little different. But basically, in a nutshell, it was this almost the same thing you're doing now. Not so, quite. Not quite. Not okay. quite. Um Excuse me. A lot a lot of people um, expect what I was doing for the city in my role as marketing communications coordinator to be what I'm doing for the county. And it's not Um, in a nutshell. My role is strictly surrounded by the American Rescue Plan Act because that's how my role is paid for. Okay, so it's grant funded. So, you know, any grant funded role has to be surrounded by that grant. Yes. yes, Certain parameters. Yes. There's all the rules. And regulations. Exactly. Or, yeah. So communicating the American Rescue Plan Act funding is primarily my role for Kankakee County, Kankakee County Board. Um, and then my boss now, Chairman Wheeler, also has a bigger vision as well. Um, they share that kind of having a bigger vision of telling the story of Kankakee, Kankakee now the county, you know. Yes. So I do miss the role being a little smaller where I can focus on. <laughs> a little like one area. Yes. Like the city <laughs> and not the whole county. Right. Yeah. But I enjoy I love what I do. And I tell people that all the time. While these are new roles, you know, I feel like. There's a lot of eyes on it because it's new roles, but it's also a good opportunity for it to be itself. And no matter who's in the role, it just it needs to keep going because there is always going to be a story for Kankakee County. So when you were working with with Chastity and and her administration, Mm -hmm. what was that experience like for you? What were some of the things that you you took away from from that experience? Yes. Um, just the importance of community outreach. She was so passionate about hosting an event, if not once a month, every other month. I mean, we were in the community every single day. And I really enjoyed that, even though it was really tiring because we had a very small team. You know, she was passionate about, OK, what are we doing this month? 
it's Women's History Month. What event are we doing for this month? Next month is going to be Hispanic Heritage Month. There's what do you guys have month. planned? <laughs> something every day. Yeah, yeah. So our team, we were very small, but we got a lot done. I mean, we were in the community and the community outreach, and you know, it was just very, um, it, it was just ongoing, you know. And and I really miss that because it was just like it was genuine, you know. People expected like, okay, this is what's coming this month, you know. They they kind of look forward to it and talking to the business owners and you know the pride that we had surrounding Kankakee and and all of the the fun things that were happening at the time. A lot of the groundbreaking projects. It's just it was all starting to come together. Yeah, because I mean the river the riverfront <laughs> the East River walk yes. project that started when chastity was still in office yes mm-hmm. so another thing it was very passionate about so yes. again working with our smaller team and just getting the word out that's what she was all about you know she did um you know no matter if it was good or bad she always wanted the word to get out sometimes it wasn't always good but that's you know unfortunately news is not always good yeah and but i know she was passionate about getting it out there to let the people know I guess I'm just curious to hear from the inside mm-hmm. is some of the things that people gave Chastity a hard time about. Mm-hmm. For, what was that like on the inside? It was hard because, you know, you you try so hard and I can't speak for her, but... I know she tried, you know, she was in the office every single day, sometimes till eight o'clock at night. And I remember Jim Rowe. Yeah. uh, And I could swear it was Jim Rowe. It was somebody. If it Mm -hmm. wasn't Jim, I'm sorry. Um, I remember someone posting like a photo Mm -hmm. of her like. Be, and it was like, yeah, it was like super late at night. Late she was night, she was still at her always working. Her office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just hard because when you're so passionate about something and you want something to be great, you want the people to be excited about it. You know, for some reason, there was just a, a divide. And, and Kankakee has always had a divide. Yeah, Even I, before Mayor Chastity, there has oh, always yeah. been a divide. Absolutely. But <laughs> it's just, you know, when you work so hard on, let's say, an event rather, and then, you know... Someone on Facebook is like, oh, it should have been this. It should have been that. You know, that could be hard sometimes. But you just keep going and you keep doing, you know, what you're meant to do. So I would say from the inside, you know, it it got a little draining. It was a little draining after a while, I would say. But I'm such a positive, upbeat person that I always found myself kind of being the cheerleader on the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we yeah. can do this, you know, don't, don't worry because you're, you're never going to make everyone happy. And that's just, that's actually what I learned at Indian Oaks. I think Indian Oaks prepared me for the mayor's office because that was a tough job, you know, but being on the inside and seeing, you know, and, and this is as far as like with any administration, um, local government is, is small. A lot of people realize they they think or they realize that these teams are so big and it's not. You may have like an office of two people or five people trying to carry out an event or or one person even, you know, where you, you don't have a whole marketing team. You don't have a whole outreach team. You have the mayor's assistant, an outreach person, 
communications person. And and then, you know, the ECDA does a great job, too, as well. Yes. You know, um, so even with that, our small team, it's just hard trying to get all these things going. It's a lot of work. But when you do it, it's like, oh, we did it. You know, we, we pulled that off. But from the inside, and, and again, I would say with any elected official, um, can probably relate to this. I'm not an elected official, but, you know, just seeing, you know, how draining our days could be because you're really wearing the face of the public because at the end of the day, you just want to do the right thing, you know, and and again, like you said, everyone has their opinions in politics and you kind of have to separate yourself from that. So working in um, in the mayor's office or really in any elected official's office, you have to take yourself outside of that office and just be who you are. You know, you get pulled into a lot <laughs> politically. I know people have seen my name in the paper for whatever reason. You get pulled into some things sometimes because it is politics. But, well, I mean, you know, you're yeah. you were part of uh, Mayor Wells Armstrong's administration. So that's probably why, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, probably why you got your name or actually you probably still get your name pulled into things because you're working for the county now. And it's not, you know, it's never an elected official's fault. It just comes with the territory. Yeah. Tell people all the time, you know, it's nothing that she did wrong. It's nothing that anyone did wrong. It comes with the territory. And I had to realize that after a while that and luckily I have the best family and friends who kept me grounded. Um, and supported me 100%, you know, because a lot of them were saying, well, why are you doing this? Like, why are you just, it's like, you're just, you know, all of you who were working under her administration, just taking lash, 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 you know, and it's like, we do it because we love our community. And, you know, it, it has its ups and downs. And anybody working in the public office can say that, that you're not always going to have the approval of everyone. But what about that one person that you did make a difference, you know, in their life? We had a lot of people show up to events that would be like, oh, my gosh, this was great. Or can we have more of this? Or or wh- where are you going to be tonight so we can hear this update? You know, so we had just as many people who wanted all of that as well as like the people. It, it was just like a balance that you had to learn how to find. Um, But working in the mayor's office, I would say our team was very close. We had to be. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We were a tight-knit family and we still are, you know, and even working in, in an elected official's office today, same thing. You know, you have to separate yourself from the actual role and just do the right thing. And, and I really believe a lot of our elected officials are like that as well. You know, they, they're not just because they're elected, but at the end of the day, they're trying to make a difference. They're yes. trying to change something. So I, I just tell people, you know, sometimes we just got to lay off a bit and just, you know, relax. And- <laughs> I never want to lose myself. I never want to lose who I am as a person. And, you know, not to sound cocky, but I love who I am. And I (laughs) I don't want to be identified as, oh, this was Mayor Chastity's, you know, social media girl is what I was called at one point. And it's like the people who know me, you know, from the area, they're like, that's not Jasmine at all. You know, you don't know her, you know, so you really have to separate yourself from 
any role that you're in. And, and I would say working for Chairman Wheeler now, it's the same thing. You know, he, he kind of has the same vision as well as far as like, OK, our story needs to be told. That's what he told me when he hired me. We have a story to tell. And I think at the end of the day, no matter our differences, I really feel like we all feel like there's a story here to tell. And Kankakee is so unique. Kankakee County is so unique that no matter who's in the role again, that that story has to be told because we have younger generations who are looking up to us and it's up to us to carry that legacy on. So you've mentioned a few times already, your job is, is specifically funded by a grant. Yes, which the has, ARPA funds. Yes, the ARPA funds. So mm-hmm. what is that money being put towards or planned to be put towards right now? I know Mm-hmm. Some of that has been announced. Yes. Right? So Kankakee County is really um, one of the only counties in our area to be moving so quickly on the American Rescue Plan Act funding. So with that being said, Kankakee County received $21 million, uh, for the COVID relief funds. You, most people know it because they receive stimulus checks all under the same package. So they've already allocated and distributed about, I would say, about $4.5 million now out of the 21 and helping business owners who experience the hardship, nonprofits, um, you know, um, non-governmental units such as park districts, fire protection districts who didn't receive anything. So really the money is to help us recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. But I will say the Kankakee County Board has been very, um, very uh to do their due diligence in getting this money out there quickly into the hands of those who need it. And communicating that has been um, really good because the people know about it and they know how to apply. The applications are on www.k3county.net. And it's a process. You know, you have to turn in your your supporting documentation, but they're doing really well with the whole process, I would say. So that's still ongoing. People can still apply. It's ongoing through the money has to be allocated through 2024. And then it has to be spent by 2026. And all of the cities and towns receive some type of ARPA funding. So I always tell people who say, hey, I heard you're doing this. It's like, no, that's that's the city. This is (laughs) the county, you know, understand the difference because there's a lot of overlap, which I'm still learning. You know, what what are the stipulations, though, with the the funds that the county does have, the ARPA funds? What can they do? do with it? What can they not mm-hmm. do with it? Who so, can they give it to? Who who they I, I know that's a part of the application mm-hmm. process, but I'm just curious. So it's 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 really funded. It's our federal dollars, obviously. So with the federal money comes federal rules. So the U.S. Treasury actually established the guidelines for the ARPA funds for everybody nationwide. So they can use it to address negative hardships, negative impacts, um, Critical infrastructure is another one. And I'm seeing other counties in the area um, nationwide, rather, who's spending the money on a lot of infrastructure. Um, And that can go for a new website, uh, ADA upgrades. Our courthouse is going to be getting a lot of upgrades over this next year. And I know uh, you said ADA, Mm -hmm. and I know that's a big uh, part of it. I I remember reading Mm -hmm. an article in the journal sometime in the last five years talking about how it's not ADA 
compliance. Not ADA compliant. And yes. they have done so much work in the courthouse and to where now it is. So they're going to be upgrading and enhancing, kind of making those ramps a little bigger. So the wheelchair accessible, it's accessible. Um, and then just really making sure that everything is is right. You know, that's what the money is for. So things that they can't use it on, for instance, are things like pensions or you know, funding something that did not address a COVID-19 hardship. So we make it an application to where it's like, hey, you know, I need this money for this, but it has to be tied to the Mm COVID-19 pandemic. So that's what we try to educate what the ARPA funds are for. Can it be used for, I know you've said infrastructure, but Mm -hmm. like roads, like it can, depending on, you know, how or bridges or overpasses. Yeah, all of that, I wasn't sure. Yeah, all of it, that falls under infrastructure. And yeah. again, I've, I've been kind of keeping track of what other cities and towns are doing. And, and you're seeing a lot of it go to infrastructure and then the other half going to businesses because the businesses are the ones who kind of fund the economy. Right. You know, so they're making sure that the small business owners are getting, you know, some help. But also the county board just established a local partner. So all of the social services requests will now start to be rolled out. Uh, You'll see that within the next couple of months. So it can be anything. And this is where we have some flexibility because it could be anything where it's like, hey, you know, I had a business startup. Fortunately, the pandemic happened. I need some help, but I'm unable to show a loss right now, but I need some help. You know, things like that, that could possibly be some of the things that uh, Recon Family Services, Dwayne Dean, they're the new county partner okay. on Skyler. So that's going to be within the next couple of months, a community needs assessment will happen to see where the needs are and where can we partner because there's going to be some partnerships with the city, the different townships. There's going to be a lot of overlap and a lot of partnerships. What are some of the uh, the businesses you've learned about from these applications? Because oh, I, I, I imagine it. you 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 read these. Do you scan these or do, who who's So it goes through our finance department because our finance department is really the ones that are going to determine your hardship by looking at your supporting documentation, such as your tax returns. But I do get to read some of them, not all of them, um, but all of them do get to go all of the ones that are up for, let's say, discussion. If they make it to the agenda, then it's all public. You know, of course, not their information, but we get to read. The fact that, you know, uh, Joe's... You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, cotton candy business or whatever. Right. I, I don't know. Right. And and it's, it's, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, it makes you think about some of these problems probably existed even before the pandemic. You know, our small, our small business owners, I'm a small business owner. I have a business on the side as well. But, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be an entrepreneur and the expenses never stop. You know, it, it was probably worse because of the pandemic. But reading some of the applications, getting to know their stories, um, that's where the videos come in. So if they're approved, then I would reach out to them. I can't do them all, of course, obviously. <laughs> right. I'm a one person department. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yes. I really enjoy telling the stories like I'll bring up Tracy, for example, Tracy Pet Styling in Grant Park. 
Um, she had a really interesting story. She has a pet styling grooming business and just one going in there and seeing all the happy dogs getting <laughs> groomed and trimmed and and cut and shampooed. And, you know, it was it was really neat to see. But her staff really enjoy what they do. Unfortunately, she had to let go. You know, some of them due to the pandemic, she had to close. But with the ARPA fund, she was able to bring all of her staff back. All of her clients return. She said she even has even more clients now. So, wow. Yeah, Tracy awesome. was, yeah, she That's was very incredible. fun to interview. I would definitely watch her video. Now, what what is your uh, business then that you just mentioned oh, a minute yeah. ago? So, I, think, <laughs> I think I maybe have seen you post about it on Facebook, but so I'm we not have, sure. Yeah, so we have two businesses. My mom makes jewelry. She's a retired teacher, but now she loves to make jewelry. So we have two businesses wired by Humblebee which um, is the jewelry. And then I have my stationary-based business because I love to write. That's called Gracefully Humble. And that is a stationary business. So journals, notebooks, um, some type of clothing, inspirational stuff, all inspirational products. How do you make your, your journals? Then I have a cricket. I love yeah. my cricket. So I put, you know, sayings on them. I'm actually looking for a partner. <laughs> Hopefully one day I can have a production partner, um, maybe later down the line. But right now they are all handmade. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. I buy the journals. The journals are hate me, hand me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but I do put the quotes on them, the, the photos on them. My boyfriend, um, I love my boyfriend. My boyfriend, Brian, uh, bought Yeah, me. I met him uh, on FaceTime <laughs> just before we did this. Right. He had to make sure I was safe. He's yeah, always he's checking a, on me. He's a sweet guy. He seemed like a very nice guy. <laughs> I'm is. glad I got to meet, uh, meet him on FaceTime. He is. He's an engineer, so he's always making things as well. He oh, actually cool. makes these really cool scooters um i told him that that could pay for our wedding one day keep making those <laughs> hey, it could yeah but yeah he got me a cricket for christmas and i've just been making so i'm really crafty i've just been making so many things since t-shirts um glasses bags it's just it's just a fun hobby i love yeah. to make things it's always fun to to have something to do on on the side. Absolutely. You know, so. Got to keep busy. Yes, absolutely. Me, mm-hmm. I just podcast and then I podcast again and then I do more <laughs> podcasting. I just I just dump it all on. People ask, so what do you do in your spare time? I podcast. Podcast, right. <laughs> it was interesting. I love it. I love talking to people. So this is nice. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. I, I know we could probably go on forever, but um, I'm happy that Chairman Wheeler convinced you to stick around stick just around. a little bit longer. Yeah. So <laughs> I was actually on my third interview in Chicago before I got the call. So Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that uh, cuz I, I think you. you're the right right person for that job and I hope you never leave. <laughs> Seriously, I hope you never leave the county cuz we need more people like you here. Thank so, you. Yeah. You're absolutely Thank you. Welcome. And this was great, Jake. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Kankakee Podcast. Really exciting because, again, you're telling the stories for Kankakee County, and that's just awesome. Oh, th- I'm just trying to get the positive word out there, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's it needs all I'm to trying happen. to do. Drown out the negativity. That's how I always look at it. Drown yeah. out the negativity or ignore the negativity. It doesn't solve anything. Mm-mm. You know, let's just There's continue no to be no solution. Be uh-uh. positive always. And and that's why people always tell me, are you ever upset? Not really. <laughs> and if I am, like, you have to, you know, then you'll know look it. out. You'll know it. <laughs> Just get me a cookie and some Starbucks and I'll be okay. But 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I, I had a good cookie today, too, and now I want another one, now that uh, you mentioned that. Yeah, Wendy's has some really good cookies. Do they really? They do. Oh, I didn't realize they, they had do. cookies. They do. Chocolate chip cookies. Oh, man. Yes. And my local businesses that I love to visit as well, I oh, always yeah. tell people we have some amazing local businesses here in the county. Visit them. You know, I love going into a business and hearing their story mm-hmm. because they have a story to tell as well. Yeah. But See, we're saying goodbye, but then we start talking I know, about something. I know. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. Well, that concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with a family member, friend, or neighbor that you think might enjoy learning new things about the people and places of Kankakee County. The more we share this podcast with new people, the more we're going to grow. And also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Jake Vaughn, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Eric Olson, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Drenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. Now, to become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com and click on the patron tab. Now, if you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on every episode. Now, there's also other rewards like early access to episodes, commercial-free episodes, podcast merch, discounts on podcast events, uh, you and I grabbing coffee and heading to the Kankakee County Museum together, and so many other cool rewards. Now, our monthly pledge currently is uh, our our goal i should say our monthly goal right now is $400 per month and this just helps cover the costs of the podcast but also i'm trying to launch a new youtube series called Kankakee Podcast Out and About where not only do you get to hear about the people and places of Kankakee County, but you get to see some of these places, actually see inside some of these cool places in Kankakee County. So that would be the whole point of this YouTube series that we would do once a month. So please sign up for our patron program today. Even if it's just $1 a month, it really does go a long way. You can do that at kankakeepodcast.com. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll, and I'll talk to you next time.